This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Hey, this is weird. I know weird for you hearing my voice before the intro music, but um, I just want to stop in, say, trying something new this week. Kind of a um, player profile, but I don't. It's kind of um, my Bill Simmons kind of homage. Um, just being able to tell a story in someone's career, and I picked Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has been in the news constantly over the past few years. So it seems. Whether it's been for his incredible players, interesting free agent movements, Durant has always been a focal point for the media. But why is this? No one has been as polarizing as Kevin Durant. Everyone loved him in Oklahoma City, hated him in Golden State, brewed against him in Brooklyn, and seems to be the same as he has requested a trade. But who is Kevin Durant? What was what his basketball life looked like? I try to dig as far as I can to be able to tell the story of Kevin Durant. Please enjoy. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. Chapter 1. In the beginning. Born in Washington, D.C., Kevin Durant was born into one of the better basketball cities in the country. In September of 1998, when Durant was born, the then-Washington Bullets were coming off of a first-round exit. The Bullets were led by Jeff Malone, Moses Malone, and Bernard King. Going to the 88-89 season, Moses had left for the Hawks, and the team started to shape into Bernard King's team that we knew in the early 90s. Georgetown would be coming off of a loss in the regional final of the NCAA tournament after finishing number two in the country that season. That team would have had, would have five future NBA players on it. Senior Charles Smith, freshman Alonzo Mourning, senior Jaron Jackson, freshman John Turner, and freshman Dikembe Mutombo. They would lose all but Mourning and Mutombo and would end up losing in the second round of the 89-90 season in that tournament. Durant's mom, Wanda, would take Kevin to a rec center in his youth. In the book of basketball, A Love Story, Durant would say, it was like the gates of heaven opened up. I didn't want to leave. This is something I would want to do every chance I get. We all understand this feeling. Basketball and sports in general can consume someone right away. It did it for me. That's why you're listening to this podcast right now. First time I ever remember picking up a basketball, like my first memory of it, was I was just home. I was like, I don't know, maybe... Four, five, can't I can't exactly remember. And my dad was outside; he was playing, and uh, I went outside to join him. And from then on, it just became something that that was our thing. My dad and I would play as often as we could, whether he was up to it. I was always up for it, but it was whether he was feeling all right, stuff like that. Um, and from that, it just started with spreading knowledge everywhere, watching games somewhat together. Um, there were times where I wouldn't really care to watch games, but he always would, and now that's how I am. I'm always willing to watch a game. So, yeah, we all understand that with basketball, that's what happens when you start 
sometimes you can't ever get out of it. Even when you stop playing, it's tough to get out of it. He would play high school for a couple years at the prestigious Oak Hill Academy, a school known for developing top college players and tons of NBA players, including Carmelo Anthony. But he would move closer to home to play at Montrose Christian, where he would finish as one of the top players in the country. Many outlets had Durant as number two, as the number two player behind the consensus number one, Greg Oden of Indianapolis. You'll be hearing a lot about him throughout this. Lindy Sports had Kevin Durant number three behind Oden and Spencer Hawes. But it was mostly number two for KD. So he's going to play for the Bulls or the Bobcats, right? Well, 2006-2007 college basketball season was the beginning of a phenomenon. We know all too well today. One and done. Long gone are the days of players going to the NBA straight from high school. Gone are the days of J.J. Redick and Brandon Roy, two powerhouse stars in college basketball who stayed for multiple years to develop their game in college. KD was forced to make a choice on where he was going to play in college. So where's it going to be? Chapter 2. The One Year. Durant would end up attending Texas for his one year of college. Man, what a choice that was. Team would end up having four NBA players who were all freshmen for a 2006-2007 campaign. They were Durant, DJ Augustine, Damian Jones, and Dexter Pittman. Joined by sophomore A.J. Abrams, this starting line would make an exciting and surprising season. Lindy Sports projected them number 38 at the beginning of the season. Longhorns ended up number 11 by the end of the season. Durant was said to have had Carmelo Anthony-type impact by Street and Smiths. Although not doing as much as Melo did, he still had an incredible season. He made the cover of Sports Illustrated in February 2007 and was highlighted as one of the new of one of the few new phenomenal freshmen across the country, alongside Greg Oden of Ohio State and Brandon Wright of North Carolina. The article would compare the three to T Mac, Bill Russell, and Kevin Garnett, respectively. It's kind of close, but this made sense back then. The article also included a question that was seeded all throughout that season. Who's the number one pick? Durant's Texas team would lose in the second round as Odin's Ohio State would lose in the national championship. Durant would take home the following accolades after his freshman year. It's a long list. AP Player of the Year, Consensus All-American, Wooden Award winner, Naismith Award winner, Rupp Trophy winner, Big 12 Player of the Year, Big 12 All-Defense, Big 12 Rookie of the Year, and Big 12 Tournament MVP. He would end up finishing number four in the nation in both scoring and rebounding, averaging 25.8 points per game and 11.1 rebounds per game. He was the only freshman in the top 15 in rebounding. There was only one other freshman in the top 15 in scoring. That player was a kid named Stephen Curry from Davidson. So KD, he should be a number one pick, right? I mean, it just makes sense. Chapter 3. Welcome to the NBA. 2007 NBA Draft was a pivotal moment in the story of Kevin Durant. KD had all the accolades to be number one pick. Portland had the first selection. They were coming off of a 32-win season and were led by Zach Randolph and Rookie of the Year Brandon Roy. They also had rookie LaMarcus Aldridge averaging 9 points per game at the center position. It makes too much sense for KD to go there. Seems like a team could use a small forward. The debate of KD or Odin should be all for KD going to Portland. Until. 
Portland traded Randolph on draft day to the Knicks. Still okay if you're KD. Until you realize who LaMarcus Aldridge really is. Power forward. He would slot perfectly into Randolph's old position. So now the Blazers are down a center. But they still need a small forward. But the debate is open once again. Will Durant be slotted behind Odin again like he was in high school? The answer is yes. Odin would go to Trailblazers. So that leads Durant to head to Seattle. The Supersonics were coming off a 31-win season where they were led by Ray Allen and Richard Lewis, who were each averaging over 20 points per game. But a similar situation would happen with the Supersonics as it did with the Trailblazers. They would trade away their star, Ray Allen, on draft day to the Celtics. Now KD was going to slot into a shooting guard spot. Then Seattle trades Richard Lewis to Orlando in July. What's going on here? 2007-2008 season... The Supersonics would have five double-digit scores. Jeff Green and Earl Watson averaged around 10. Chris Wilcox and Wally Zerpiak averaged around 13. And KD, 20.3 points per game. Helped KD win Rookie of the Year. Things were looking up Seattle. But the fans would have their hearts ripped out that same year. In November of 07, ownership announced they were relocating the franchise. Wait, what? Seattle is another one of the best basketball cities there is. You cannot find a more loyal fan base in Seattle. Why move? Where are they going? Chapter 4. Oklahoma City. Wait. A college town? Being the home of an NBA team? This is absurd. Seattle lost its NBA team to a city where the best basketball in the area is the Sooners of Oklahoma. In 2007-2008, the Sooners went 23-12 and lost in the second round of the tournament, led by Blake Griffin and Taylor Griffin, the two future NBA players on the team, who were both from Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City played host to the Hornets after Hurricane Katrina decimated New Orleans. So good of hosts that the Supersonics moved there to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. As a Thunder, they would pick Russell Westbrook with the fourth overall pick in the 2008 draft. With him, Durant, and Jeff Green averaging double figures, Thunder would win 23 games, 22 of them underneath new head coach Scott Brooks after P.J. Carlissimo leaving the franchise. 2009, they drafted James Harden, and Serge Ibaka would join the team after being drafted in 2008. Durant would explode in this season, averaging 30.1 points per game. Good enough for his first scoring title. Westbrook and Green would average double figures and Harden would average 9.9 points per game. All these contributions led the team to 50 wins and a first round exit to the Lakers who would go on to win the championship. 2010's offseason will be interesting for the NBA. LeBron James would take his talents to South Beach to form a super team with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. People would burn LeBron's jersey and the city of Cleveland would become miserable for the next four years. All this for LeBron leaving as a free agent? Which he has the complete right to do? I guess people really didn't like him going to form that super team. Or maybe it's the way he announced it. 
2010-2011 saw KD winning another scoring title, averaging 27.7 points per game. The team would win 55 games while KD, Westbrook, and Harden became the big three that was almost comparable to Wade, James, and Bosh Miami. They would end up losing the conference finals to the Mavericks, who would go on to win a championship. Are you noticing a pattern here? The Mavericks would beat the Heat and show that super teams may not be as super as you would think. 2011-2012 would boost OKC's Big 3 to a whole other level. Durant would win his third straight scoring title, averaging 28 points per game in the lockout-shortened season. Team would go 47-19, third best in the league behind the Bulls and Spurs with 50 games each. They would sweep the defending champ Mavs in the first round, then besting the Lakers and Spurs in the following rounds to make it to the NBA Finals. They would end up losing in five games to the redemptive Heat squad, but I mean, they would go out and sucker punch the Heat in Game 1, taking it. They had awakened the Beast. Miami swept the rest of the games. Thunder's Big 3 had arrived in a big way, Show the world who they were. 2012 would also be the beginning of KD's Olympic career, and he would come out with a bang, averaging 19.5 points per game over the Olympics to lead the team. Not a bad start in international competition, as the USA would win the gold in London. After a run to the finals, Thunder had a tough decision to make, I guess. James Harden was up for a contract renewal, and was looking for major money. Makes sense to sign him, right? He was a major contributor on that finals team. Give him what he wants. Well, let's talk about salaries in the NBA. The league has a soft cap, meaning that teams can only spend a certain amount of money unless they're willing to accept some punishments. This is unlike a hard cap, where a team cannot go over a certain amount of money, no questions asked like in other leagues. If the Thunder were to sign James Harden, they would go over to salary cap and be forced to pay a luxury tax, which is the penalty for going over the cap mentioned earlier. The Thunder refused to pay. And Harden wanted, he wanted what he wanted, but they did it to avoid the luxury tax. So he traded him. And there goes the big three. Even with Harden gone, the Thunder would win 60 games. Kevin Martin, who was part of the Harden trade, essentially the main part in that Harden trade for the Thunder, would fill Harden's role pretty well. KD would average 28.1 points per game as Harden was out on a mission to prove what he was worth in his asking price. He would average 25.9 points per game. Thunder would lose in the second round of the Grizzlies. This doesn't feel right. The Thunder should be making it to the conference finals, right? 2013-14 is KD's magnum opus. After taking a gap year, he'd win his fourth scoring title as the MVP. His final stat line, 32 points per game, 7.4 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists per game. They would get revenge against the Grizzlies in the first round and beat the Clippers in the second round. But they would lose to the Spurs, who would eventually win the championship. There's that pattern again. 2014-15 would be a setback for KD as he would only play 27 games, which would lead to Russell Westbrook winning his first scoring title. But the team would go 45-37, and miss the playoffs, showing that KD was truly the MVP of the Thunder team. After missing the playoffs, Thunder hired Billy Donovan as his head coach. 
Billy Donovan, who would beat Greg Oden in the national championship when he was in college. They would end up winning 55 games as KD averaged 28.2 points per game alongside Westbrook's 23.5. Thunder were primed for a deep playoff run. They would make it to the conference finals and have a 3-1 lead over the defending champion Warriors. What can go wrong? Thing is, 2016 was cursed for teams going up 3-1. Although no one knew it quite yet. Thunder would blow the 3-1 lead. And the Warriors would do so to the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. Even then, the Cleveland, the then Cleveland Indians would blow a 3-1 lead to the Cubs in the World Series. Anyway, 2016 would be cursed for another reason. At least for Thunder fans. KD's contract was up. No one knew what he was going to do. Chapter 5. The next chapter. It was time for free agency. Everyone thought that they had just witnessed the unbelievable with the Cavs come back from a 3-1 lead. But they had no idea what was to come. Kevin Durant's free agency was a big deal, but nothing huge was expected to happen with it. It was said that he was talking with the Celtics, the Wizards, the Thunder, and the Warriors. No one thought that the Wizards were a real option. But more just giving his hometown team a shot, sit down with him, see what they got. People also thought the Warriors were not a real option, but more just entertain the league with what could happen if he went there. They just beat him in the conference finals. No way he signs with them. People thought the Celtics had a real shot, but honestly, Thunder seemed the most likely destination for Katie to end up back with. But no one knew the whole story. Allegedly, after losing the finals, Draymond Green sent a text to KD saying, We need you. Stephen Curry was meeting with KD during free agency. Are the Warriors really making a case for KD to join them? There's no way. And then, out of nowhere, July 4th, 2016, news broke and KD would post that his next chapter would be with the Warriors. Wait, what? It was just as big a surprise to everyone else, including Russell Westbrook, who was apparently left in the dark about Katie's decision. Westbrook would immediately post pictures of cupcakes all over social media, as being a professional photographer. People tended to agree with him, calling Katie a cupcake for joining the Warriors. If you thought people hated LeBron for his decision, you didn't see anything with that. Chapter 6 Glory in the Golden State Before starting his tenure in Golden State, KD played in his second Olympics as he would lead the team in points by a wide margin. He would average 19.4 points per game with Carmelo Anthony, considered by many as the best Olympic player of all time, averaging 12.1 points per game for the second best. We also saw interesting relationships form as Team USA won the Golden Rio. It's something that people look out for after seeing Wade, LeBron, and Bosh grow the relationships that would lead to them forming the super team in Miami. The relationships we saw grow in Rio were not future Warriors teammates KD, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson, but they were the relationships of KD, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. We'll see what that turns into later. Now in Golden State, KD fit very well into the system and would average 25.1 points per game, which would be second on the team. Stephen Curry 
would lead the team at 25.3. The backlash for Kevin Durant was unbelievable. It seemed almost every arena he went into, it was just a frenzy. Even with LeBron's, you kind of just saw him. It was like really in Cleveland and maybe a couple other places there would be like a big booze. But I mean, KD and the Warriors, it was everywhere, immediately becoming the villains. But that didn't matter. The Warriors were finished with 6-7 wins and go 16-1 and in the playoffs, losing one game to the Cavs in the finals. Meanwhile, in OKC, Russell Westbrook won his second scoring title with 31.6 points per game and became the second player behind Oscar Robertson to average a triple-double in a season, earning himself the MVP for 16-17. That was to cap off his redemption tour. KD would take home the finals MVP, averaging 35.2 points per game in the finals. I think KD would take that any day of the week. 2017-18, the Warriors would go 58-24. KD and Steph would be tied for top scorer on the team with 26.4 points per game. They would win both of the first two rounds 4-1. to one. They would run to a tough seven-game bout against the Houston Rockets, who have a familiar face. Or should I say, familiar beard. That's right. James Harden is back in the picture after having an incredible season that earned him the MVP and the league scoring title. Now he's brought the Warriors to their knees as it is a win-or-go-home situation in Game 7. The Rockets... Coached by Mike D'Antoni, were a team who loved to shoot the three-pointer. In the first quarter, they went 4 for 11. They would hit two more before an unbelievable turn of events. You know there's an old adage to say, you live by the three, you die by the three. The Rockets would die by the three. With 6.17 left in the second quarter, the Rockets missed the first of 27 straight threes. Where they would not hit another until the fourth quarter. But it would be too late. The Warriors advanced and swept the Cavs in the finals with KD receiving another finals MVP. Twenty eighteen nineteen had plenty of promise for the Warriors they were looking for a three-peat. They would add another all-star into Marcus Cousins and kept their core. But there were issues early in the season. KD and Draymond were fighting on the bench in the middle of the game in the regular season. Now, the media may have overplayed this, but the Warriors were title favorites and two of their best players were in a scuffle, with one of those players being considered the best player on the planet at that point. All this while James Harden was becoming the best scorer in the league, averaging an astonishing 36.1 points per game. Thunder were also paying the luxury tax to keep a core of Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmel Anthony, and Steven Adams together. Gotta learn from your mistakes at some point. The Warriors would get past the scuffles and finish with 57 wins. KD would average 26 points per game behind Steph with 27.3. It would make it into the second round before KD would go down with an injury. An Achilles injury. He may be back in time for the finals if he's needed. The Warriors would make it out of the West by sweeping the Blazers in the conference finals. So the Warriors will just beat the Cavs again for another of what seems to be easy championships. Well, LeBron left Cleveland again for the Lakers. Why didn't they see them in the playoffs? On Christmas Day in a game against the Warriors, LeBron injured his groin. So the West was the Warriors once again. 
Who will the Warriors face? Introducing the Toronto Raptors. I thought they traded one of their franchise mainstays in the offseason. They did. For Kawhi Leonard. Who had a pretty good season. But a legendary playoff run. He was completely dominant on both ends of the court. He even hit a buzzer beater to win a Game 7 over 76ers. The first in the history of the game. Him, Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, and Serge Ibaka were set to take the Warriors down. The Warriors were down both KD and DeMarcus Cousins due to injury, or so we thought. Cousins, who barely, barely played the whole year, made it clear he was ready for the finals. Durant, however, would not be able to come back at least until Game 5 or 6, if it gets that far. The Warriors held up with the Raptors to keep the series tied at 2 going into Game 5. It was time to make a decision. Should KD play? The timetable could have been, maybe would have been a little rushed, but maybe feels better than what we thought. KD starts Game 5. But he only plays 12 minutes. The Achilles struck again, and he was done for a while. Warriors would lose games 5 and 6, and the Raptors won the NBA title. Questions started to linger about Katie's future. Would he be the same after the Achilles injury? Who will the Warriors use as a replacement for a few months? Is Katie leaving the Warriors? That's right. Katie's contract is up. Which is true after every season since he gave himself options by signing on one year at a time. Rumor mills were spinning really right from the minute the Raptors hoisted the Larry O'Brien trophy. Free agency wasn't for a couple weeks. But we heard about him and Kyrie going to the Knicks? To be joined by Anthony Davis in a trade? But we'd find out a few days later. Destination was New York. Just not where you would think. Chapter 7. Brooklyn. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be the home of KD, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. Told you I had to watch out for that chemistry. All of them signing massive contracts to be with the Nets long term. But KD would join them a year later, taking the 1920 season to rehab his Achilles. The Nets would make the bubble in in the 2020 pandemic after all that happened and got swept by the Raptors in the first round. James Harden would be joined by a familiar face on Russell Westbrook on the Rockets, and Harden would still lead the league in scoring with 34.3 points per game. This would change soon. The pairing was not working like it used to with KD and OKC. Westbrook was traded to Wizards, and Harden would soon be traded as well to the Nets. Wait, what? Yep. Hart would join KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn to create an even bigger threat to win a title. Under Steve Nash, the Nets would, win, would finish 48-24 and 24 in the COVID-shortened season. Kyrie and KD would lead the team in scoring a 26.9 points per game each. They would make it to the second round of the playoffs and lose a seven-game slugfest to the Bucks, who would go on to win a championship. I've heard this before. KD was fantastic in this series particularly in Game 7 as he had 48, which wasn't even a series high. It was looking up for the Nets and KD. 
he was back of, on the mountaintop in terms of his scoring prowess. KD would play in the, in the Olympics in 2021 and take an inexperienced Team USA to the gold once again. Not without a few hiccups along the way, losing exhibition games to Nigeria and Australia and then losing to France in one of their opening games in the Olympics. Durant would lead the team with 20.7 points per game, a five-point scoring margin between him and Jason Tatum, the second-leading scorer in the team. Durant would also become the all-time leading scorer in Olympic basketball, cementing his name at the top of the list of the best international competitors the U.S. has put out on the Olympic stage. 2021-2022 would bring a ton of distractions to the Nets. Kyrie Irving was not allowed to play in New York due to vaccination mandates. Harden would be traded to the 76ers for Ben Simmons, who wouldn't even play for the Nets in this season. Maryland kept talking about the potential of this new big three, now that DeAndre Jordan was gone as well. Kyrie was eventually able to play for the Nets at home, and they would finish 7th in the East with 44 wins. They would be swept by the Celtics, who would go on to lose to the Warriors in six games. The Warriors were once again led by Stephen Curry, who climbed the ladder to become the best three-point shooter of all time. Kyrie had threatened to leave the Nets, but signed on to keep his commitment to the team and KD. On Thursday, June 30th, 2022, KD requested a trade. So that brings us to the present. Chapter 8, what's next? Here's the thing. With this recent Rudy Gobert trade, value for players has gone up. As we've seen, like, Rudy Gobert got traded for a few players and a ton of first-round picks. So that's what the Nets want. They want even more because KD's better than Rudy Gobert. I mean, they're not wrong in saying that. But no one wants to give up that much. Like, that's a stupid trade, honestly. We're not giving you that much. And Brian Windhorst has been saying that, well, said from the beginning, like, maybe Donovan Mitchell um, will go. He'll be traded for KD, and then that'll be used as trade bait for somewhere else. But Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz are kind of, are kind of staying put at this point. So who knows? Top of KD's list is Phoenix, which would be interesting. Probably have to give up DeAndre Ayton at that point in a sign-and-trade, maybe. Or, um... Miami. And I don't know who you have to trade out of Miami to get him to go. Maybe Tyler Hero and a couple other guys. But it's going to have to be a lot to give up for KD. It's not unless it's a sign and trade for a one-on-one like it was with D'Angelo Russell going to the Warriors for KD. You're, you're going to have to give up an arm and a leg for him. And I just don't think that people are willing to pay what the Nets want. So with that, I pose this question. Is this next place where KD goes? Is it the next chapter or is it the next book in the story of Kevin Durant? Just because this kind of seems like the last place KD will go before he eventually declines. Not saying that just because KD is not a good player or anything. It happens. It happens to these type of guys. I mean, 
Let's go ahead and look at KD. He's 33 right now. And so with this, he'd probably, have, after this year, he'd sign on long time, long term for what, another three years? He's 36 or 37 at that point. So what do we see here? Do we see KD become a mentor? Mentor? Who's he going to mentor? I don't know. Depends on who's on the team. Depends on who they trade for. We'll just have to see. Because I'm not sure if it's the next chapter. I think it is the next book. Just because... When I was watching a draft, I was watching the NBA Today... Um, like a... Not really pre-game, but pre-draft uh, show. And... They posed an interesting question. It was... Or maybe it was just it. No, it was just NBA Today in general. It was their free agency thing. Because it was a day... Kevin Durant um, said he wanted to trade. Which, by the way, thanks for the timing, Katie. I just literally just finished sending out a podcast when I get the news that you're requesting a trade. So thanks for that. But, um, I'm kidding. But, um, they posed the question, what hat does Kevin wear, like, going into the Hall of Fame? And people were saying it was the Warriors just because, like, it the ending wasn't as bad. Because, like, Oklahoma City, I don't think they care for KD anymore. The Nets probably don't anymore. Some people were saying Seattle just because he was that last star before the team was just yanked out of, out of the city. I don't know. I think it's this, and someone said, I think someone said, it's this next team. Just because he's probably going to finish it out with them. Um, it's going to be uh, probably more romantic in a way. And poetic. Just because we're seeing... We would see KD go from like the top scorer in the world to mentoring other guys. Or just becoming somewhat of a shell of his shelf. Kind of like Kobe after the Achilles injury. Um, it became more romanticized. Like, when Kobe leaves, like, the league will be sad. And it will be the same with KD, although I don't think people want to admit it. But, I mean, it's going to be a sad day when KD retires. And, um, we haven't really seen that many transcendent players just retire recently. The two most recent ones are, what, D-Wade and Dirk? That was 2018, I think. So... Let's we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, with that, that is it for this week. Wanted to try something new, so that is that the story of Kevin Durant. Um, just want to give a quick shout out. Um, got some sources throughout. Like I've seen the stuff before. I had the knowledge, but it's just more of a refresher. Um, basketball love story. Um, thank you for that uh, quote from Kevin. Uh, the ringer for. Um, a lot of their videos I get a ton of knowledge from Sports Illustrated reading for that article and um, Lindy Sports Athlon Sports Street and Smiths um, all of the college basketball yearbooks um, thank you um, credit to them I mean that's where I get a ton of my knowledge um, throughout the years I mean it's not just in this like all throughout the years like 
you soak up so much information through all those. So thank you to all of them. And uh, yeah, with that, that'll be it for this week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at DeverHard00. And I will talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.